0: Hello, and thanks for joining us once again on Core Ideas, the podcast where we delve into all things related to lake sediments. My name is Adam Jeziorski, and uh, as always, I'm here with my good friend, Josh Sneapun. How's it going? Not too bad. And that was a new introduction,
1: Adam. It was different I,
0: than that. I, I, I made some notes. I tried good. I tried preparing...
1: I was surprised because when you went off script, I thought, oh, this is, we're going to have to retake this. And uh, no, it was good. Different though. Perfect. I've never been introduced on the show before. That's great. I feel like I'm the guest today. <laughs> when in fact, I am not today. <laughs> However, we are going to talk about uh, uh, an interesting topic and a summation, a close on our Contagious Ideas arc that we've been working on now. This will be the sixth and final episode on that and we're just going to sum up a little bit about um science uh, in the covid period in this pandemic era science in a dangerous time if you will. science in a dangerous time yeah yes 2020 is
0: only well i guess it's more than halfway through now
1: it's God. it's been weird it has been weird oh, yeah it's uh, we've it, it's an interesting one too, because we this is the year we started the podcast. We we did we record one in 2019, or we started all of our recordings in 2020, no. like early in January. Yeah, no, I think we
0: did the first release towards the end of January, and yeah, the first it's like probably after New Year's, like in the depths of winter. But definitely. right, yeah.
1: So, so the Core Ideas podcast has never known a year, but 2020. So from that perspective, it has only ever existed, uh, primarily under this very strange, um, strange time period that we find ourselves in and, and will continue to find ourselves in probably after 2020 has ended to be realistic with ourselves. Uh, so that means like I've seen you cause we, we record these and we like talk more than we have in, in a, a while leading up to doing this, which has been really nice. Uh, but from other perspectives, it's been very strange uh, and included in that is in a scientific perspective. Yeah.
0: No, definitely. I did not think at the beginning of 2020 that, you know, these the calls that we do to record these podcasts and seeing you on the screen, let you be one of the human beings I see most.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, through this year,
0: That is not like, you know, my immediate family.
1: hmm Exactly. Uh, and that's, uh, I guess that's the nature of, some of these unexpected things is they can throw wrenches completely into, uh, into the best plans. And, th- and that's one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit as we, we go through this sort of summary and wrap up of some of the things associated with it. Yeah.
0: And so um, obviously a lot has happened. Global pandemic, massive lockdowns, um, you know, field seasons scrambled, ends of semesters canceled. Lots of video
1: conferencing, video teaching. Um, there's going to be everyone's a professional at using Zoom and getting their microphone just so, and all those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of knock-on effects of what has gone over in, like the
0: last five months already. But in many ways, it's going to continue on through the rest of this year. Like. Um, I'm not sure how many universities are going to be back to normal in the fall, but definitely none of the ones in Ontario. Um, I don't even know. If, I don't think any of the ones in Canada anywhere or any kind of normal schedule.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know for sure that, but but not completely back to normal for sure. There'll be differences even if they are on on campus. So you know, even as we gradually come out
0: of you know all this weirdness. Um, it's Going to be a long time before we're fully back to normal, and given you know our interest in paleontology, um, talk about more general terms. But one thing that I'm very curious to see is will there actually be an impact in the paleo record that will be noticeable from everything shutting down like at the level that it did for the amount of this time? Like, it seems like there'd be no way that, um, you know, like in, in things like the uh, the CO2 record is going to be some sort of um, blip that would be measurable for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But will that carry through into the actual sediments? Like, time will tell. Yeah. but uh,
1: and, and I think you're right. In If you look closely enough and you find the right archive, whatever that might be, ice records or lake sediments or tree rings or whatever it is, somewhere you will be able to find that record. But will it... something broad enough uh, especially for such a short duration that you can find it more ubiquitously around different environments will it be the equivalent of uh, the chernobyl peak that we find only in certain areas because other areas were impacted more so yeah and that's something that time will tell and and how long will it be before we can make that determination yeah when we start seeing 2020 barbs
0: will, will those be yeah um what sort of weird characteristics they, well, they have due to what instead of what has happened, like largely what has not happened.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Whether it's because there's no, not as many planes flying or uh, um, any of the other sort of impacts, what will that look like? Will it be noticeable? And uh, how long lived will it be? And, And there's no question, I'm sure in most people's mind who are thinking about the broader climatic impacts we're not saying this is going to result in a a reversion of uh the the anthropogenic climate change this will be a minor blip in the ever increasing uh co2 concentration or whatever um, metric you want to use to describe the impact but it will be there and it will be noticeable and it will be something to uh, to uh talk about and to discuss yeah absolutely
0: but we don't know and we won't know for a while. But what we do know is that there've definitely been impacts on research in general. Um again, everything locked down. Uh thank you to everyone that uh, answered our Twitter poll asking about field seasons and did it and we got 100% response rate of field seasons completely canceled. And mm-hmm. uh, So for
1: those who didn't see it, the the question was has COVID-19 has the pandemic resulted in a uh, change in your plans for field sampling in particular, not any of your other plans. Uh, And yes, completely cancelled, yes, but we've modified it in some manner, or no business as usual.
0: And uh, basically everyone said it had been completely cancelled. And, you know, outside of our devoted listenership, you know, just asking around um, the people that we know and interact with, uh, that seems to be... um, You know, the general consensus, and that extends beyond, um, you know, academics. Uh, There's going to be serious impacts on data collection and long-term monitoring records. So uh, um, my main um, long-term record, I don't know what you call it, organization that I have any interactions with myself would be through the Ontario Ministry of Environment and the Dorset Environmental Science Centre. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what the status is. I've not talked to anyone there in in a month, month and a half or so. But back then, I don't think they were yet committed to the whole everything being a complete write-off. But that was definitely looming. So I'm not sure if there's been some um, means of adjusting. So not everything is lost. But it's definitely, no matter what, it's going to be an anomaly in the the databases going Mm -hmm. forward.
1: And they also run the Lake Partner Program, which more broadly, where well, they oversee the Lake Partner Program in that from that location. Uh, anyway, uh, the Lake Partner Program in Ontario was this way of getting communities and citizen science and other people to collect data, and all of the information is channeled through the MOE CC or whatever they're called now. And um, and I, as far as I know. Uh, much of that, if not all of that, is completely shut down. So there's a really broad implications yeah. for if people uh, working from data. home. There's no way to deal with like hundreds and hundreds of
0: samples being sent, or even to yeah. get the hundreds and hundreds of sample kits sent out to the people in, uh,
1: in the first place. Let alone analyzed after the fact, when you know there's no lab, or the labs are running at skeletal capacity if they're running at all. Uh, and that bro- moves well beyond uh, any one region. Or any one organization or institution like that is a, a if there is a scientific legacy of, of COVID at a broad scale, I think that may be it is that there's this, this lack of data for many locations where physical sampling uh, by humans is required. Now, if you're, you know, have temperature loggers out or you have um, rain gauges or those kind of things, those devices are still going to be collecting data. And so long as they don't need to be repaired, the data should exist. Uh, but where people need to go and sample them, that's going to be a real gap in the record uh, yeah. moving forward. So, so it will I, never be replaced. Yeah, like steel plankton hauls, you know, uh, water samples. Even water. Secchi disk depths, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Um,
0: and going from there, so, you know, and so, yeah, so our focus is... Mar- only direct interaction uh, at the, at, so far in terms of these data sets has been with the dorsal but I imagine it extends to most, if not all. Um, although it would be curious to see if um, this is, uh, you know, in some of the um, states in the U S where the shutdown didn't really happen or happen on a much lower level that they didn't, you know, this will not actually be a blip in, in their, in some records.
1: Or, a- or in locations where there may be, you know, it's easier to collect these samples and still keep physical distancing. I'm not sure if ELA is conducting some. I'm I, I pretty sure from there's some stuff there's going on because are Twitter Twitter's there is some mm-hmm, But I don't- there is some sampling going on, at least in order to keep the experiments going that are that require these these data and some bare minimum amount of monitoring. Or they may be doing all of theirs, for all I know. Uh, so, so data will exist. It's not that everywhere has been completely shut down, but there will be a gap in some records, which have not had many gaps in a long, long time. I don't know how many gaps there are in the Dorset A-Lake, uh, set, but there's not many. It's a pretty complete record. And to have a year obliterated is, uh, is a big thing. Yeah. Um, and
0: then going from there in terms of, so we're talking in those long-term data collections, uh, largely about, um, Uh, public entities. Uh, I think another one going forward will be the impacts on legislation uh, in in terms of environmental monitoring going forward. Um, You were mentioning earlier, talking about mentioning uh, monitoring of the Athabasca river and some of the things that have been changing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. These don't seem to be generally good stories in this case. Not that the lack of data is a good story, but these seem to be at least the ones that I've uh, seen examples of governments using the pandemic as a way of, uh, slipping in other legislation or removing environmental regulation, uh, as, as a a way of cutting some of the red tape in air quotations that, that they often like to talk about, whether it's removing the requirements for such rigorous impact assessments, which is something that is happening in the States, or in Alberta, the, um, the, the push to decrease where, um, monitoring is occurring downstream in the oil sands region on the main branch of the Athabasca river. Those are all, uh, changes that yes, there may be impacts associated with the ability to carry out these kinds of work, but, uh, Removing them entirely under the guise of squeezing them in sort of in an omnibus sort of fashion is Taking advantage of a situation Uh, And the question really becomes if it is because of this very temporary perspective When do we get those back Uh, and how quickly can those be reinstated if they absolutely must be removed? Uh, And I wait to see that one
0: and once again time will tell and this is yeah. added to the list of knock-on effects of uh, the last six months or so.
1: Yeah, or things that may be pushed back uh, against, and and with the right amount of pressure, they may realize that, you know, we're, we're there's pretty smart people who work for these environmental regulation agencies and do the monitoring. They can figure out how to uh, do that if we make it a continued priority that it needs to be. Yeah, and continuing with our. 40,000 foot kind of view of the impacts on. I haven't the, been in a plane. And this is speaking of <laughs> uh, impacts, I haven't, this is the longest I haven't been in an airplane in years, many years. Uh, so I haven't been to 40,000 feet in a long time. Yeah,
0: me either. <laughs> um, but I was going to say, in terms of like impacts on research, on the paleo record, on environmental legislation, and there's also been impacts on this podcast. Like I mean, this whole yeah, arc big has been a scrambling curveball because we thought that through the summer we'd be able to coast on, uh, you know, some interviews and whatnot
1: that we were able to squeeze out of the pals conference that never happened in May. Yeah, yeah, you you might have got to hear someone beyond Adam and I and Jenny, who we made uh, come on because she lives here <laughs> with me. Uh, yeah, we would have might have had some different voices. We had some informal discussions about. Uh, Lining up some guest, uh, guest voices that just never happened. So, what are you going to talk about? Well, let's talk about contagious ideas and fill fill in some episodes. So we put those ideas, in they're not uh, removed. We haven't removed them. We've just moved them to the back of the list. Yeah, but uh, yeah,
0: there's always next year.
1: There is always next year. We hope.
0: But rating it from the general to something more specific, like talking about, I think we can go forward talking about the impacts of this um, in a more direct level. Um, and I think, uh, you know, one group that we interact with on a, you know, very regular uh, level would be students. And, you know, students coming in at the undergraduate level, at the graduate level, current students, all these are being massively affected
1: by, Huge, yeah.
0: you know, the impacts on um, teaching, the impacts on
1: uh, just working conditions, th- thesis to progress, out their own research.
0: yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I think we can talk for a little while about that because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot, a lot of questions being raised, um, just in our own labs, um, you know, international students. Um, Potentially not coming. So that's members of our labs thing. not showing up mm-hmm. uh, in September, even though there's not really
1: much to show showing up to. In, again, in air quotes, but not being able to join the lab in whatever capacity. Yep. Um,
0: that's uh, major um, applications. We were riffing on this a little bit before we actually started recording, but I know like undergraduate me would have totally um, taken a gap here at this point. Um, like I was, you know, did some major, um, switched my majors while I was an undergrad and this kind of happened while I was kind of like questioning exactly what I was most interested in. I just been, uh, you know what, pause and I uh, will figure something out and maybe do some online courses. But in terms of my interest in biology and chemistry, I know I would have gone, nah, yeah. I, I don't want to miss the labs.
1: Well, it's a reasonable uh, response. And, and and, and many will do uh, yeah. the same thing for sure. And we'll
0: see um, how many that will have. Like um, Queen's Campus um, is going to be, you know, at like twenty-five percent of its usual capacity come September with most it. And that's a small campus, yep. so
1: you know, there's not fifty thousand people crawling around on a given day. No, nope. but uh, you know, it's going to be incredibly noticeable. Yeah, that would put it kind of into maybe what it looks like in the summer in terms of the summer students on campus, uh, which is, is pretty small. Having stayed there a number of times and been a grad student there, it was always great to, you know, not have to stand in line at the Tim Hortons uh, because there was so few people on campus. Uh, might not be the same vibe uh, now, but uh, well, I it even be open, six foot I apart. No idea. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and at York, I mean, uh, we only have a little bit of anecdotal evidence. So far as I know, the number of people entering in from right out of high school is has not changed significantly. Um, so there will be a, a lot of new students, even if they're not physically on campus and how to deal with residences and that kind of thing. The first year experience is a huge issue. We were asked to put together, you know, kind of welcome videos for the students coming into the first year because I teach a first year course in order to kind of give them that you know, that little bit of yeah, I, I, university spirit and that sort of thing. Actually, oh, but something How I, to do orientation is hard. Yeah, I'd not
0: really thought of that because um, it doesn't directly impact me. But, yeah, the coming in to do remote courses or online courses is one thing. But, uh, yeah, if you come in or you don't come in, um, that camaraderie with the people in your classes and your program that first you know week or two has such such an impact on the following four years and how do you just, have an
1: online frosh week yeah like uh, no idea uh, there are people who are, are working really hard to try and make it as you know the the best of a terrible situation uh, but it will be very different no doubt uh, I can't even imagine what the university experience wouldn't have uh, how different it would have been even people who are, Uh, like at Queens, where I did my undergrad, the number of students on campus is is a significant number. Unlike, for example, York, where we have a lot of commuting students. Most students at Queens are on campus in first year. So you have this, you know, unicohesiveness, everyone's staying in the same area, everyone's all together. There's kind of that, I don't want to say indoctrination, but there's a real development of esprit de corps. And the students who stay outside of who live at home, the first year is not in residence, have a very different experience. Like they they come in and do all those same sort of activities, but it is different. To take that even that part away would be would be uh what will be very yeah, different. That's what I'm saying,
0: not would be, will be. Mm-hmm.
1: Um
0: yeah. And so it's interesting that you said that uh, you're not seeing that um much of a difference in terms of the application straight out of high school. Cause One of my gut feelings is, is this going to be the creation of a
1: second double cohort? I I think you're right, though. And I would say that just because they have applied to programs doesn't mean they're going to take a full course load. It's quite common. Uh, I would suspect, because doing everything online is harder, that students may take a a decreased course load uh, in order to only do a couple of courses. So they're registered in the program. They'll get through a few of them and then maybe take a fifth year to finish that out and that will you're absolutely right and just for reference that have-
0: depending on how young our audience is the double cohort was a thing that happened that i'm sure it's happened other places too specifically referring to in ontario when they the uh, entering class of
1: 2003 who finished <laughs> high school in 2003
0: yeah um who uh basically it wasn't grade thirteen, but the fifth year of high school that you would could do it was OAC at the time was cancelled. So you applied to university straight out of grade twelve, um, and when that was cancelled, then you had two years worth of students applying to university at the same time. The people who did the last year of OACs and the first year of students that applied straight from grade twelve, and it was a big thing at the time in terms of accommodating that uh, um, you know double load into the universities. Um, and I think you have some personal experience yeah, with that. I was at
1: the grade 12 entrance, uh, group. Uh, so I didn't, I had no option to do an OAC or a grade 13 year. And, uh, yeah, the, it, it really depended on the, the institution. So some schools didn't really change the number of program slots. So it became a little bit more competitive. Others opened up really broadly. A lot of them were limited by how many, um, residence beds there would be. So Queens didn't really expand their programs and not because they couldn't have more biology majors it was more because if 80 percent of the students who are admitted come to campus there's just not enough beds for all of them to uh to stay so yeah it, it really it definitely changed the the whole kind of energy around uh the applying to university and getting into different programs and some programs maybe were a little bit more challenging to uh, gain access to so yeah so um...
0: Again, time will tell if maybe not to the same extent that that happens, but if there is that kind of same change in terms of some programs becoming more competitive due to people sitting on the sidelines for a year.
1: Yeah, I think that's very possible.
0: And then there's a whole suite of uh, potential impacts directly from that, so not just... um, Acceptance, potentially becoming more competitive down the line, but then there'll be knock-on effects for years in terms of um, scholarships and grants if you're um, dealing with, you know, more people applying for the same things.
1: Yep. So Yeah, the financial impacts of this are obviously massive at every level. Uh, and they're not all things that have been felt or are being felt right now. There will be financial, future financial implications, including how to uh, support Students who uh, who are now going to come to the university and through scholarships, you know, they come from all different sources. Some of them come from the university themselves and many and all that money is invested into, you know, um, ways to grow that those funds. So universities have taken a, a hit on their financial portfolio, just the same as every other um, financial um, portfolio out there.
0: Um, so that is really you know, again, a whole pile of questions being raised for new students or students just starting, whether it be at the undergraduate or graduate level. There's a whole bunch of questions, you know, being raised as well for the current students um, at the graduate level. Um, and we've got a whole suite of students that are doing their defenses through a Zoom meeting, Um we have people missing a field season, you know, and in a PhD or a master's we only have, you know, one, one to three field seasons to work with. That is significant. Huge, um, yeah. Um, and, you know, if you have no data, how do you construct a thesis?
1: Yeah, there, there'll be many people who are digging through the sediment core archives in, in their respective labs, perhaps pulling out... Um, old records that might be usable for different kinds of analyses that it may not have been their first intention, but that'll be a start. And we may not use that for their entire project, but that'd be a good way to get started and not waste not only the whole summer that has been missed for sampling, but then the entire year of analyzing those samples until you can go back to get the next set. So you're losing not just a, a, a window in the field, but all of the analyses you can do trying to work with shared data. So we talked about open data and the ability to perhaps access some of those repositories and work with publicly available or uh, shared information in order to incorporate that into a thesis. There are ways to work around that, obviously, but they'll be very project specific, very uh, lab specific. And uh, just another thing to have to think about in all of this while you're trying to, you know, make sure all your family are well and all those kinds of things that are already weighing on the mind. So there's a huge amount of Um, extra energy that is required to deal with some of those situations and they're real challenges well big time and
0: um, now we're having a fair number of like even my you know my position within the lab where I'm I make no real major decisions about anyone's future I'm just you know more in in the role of a training slash mentor role for people coming in it's like you can't you know, no, no one coming in right now. I can't sit beside them and check their coronamid trays and point out. No.
1: like training is ground, um, just ground to a halt. And yeah, uh, and in Jenny's lab here, you know, the students who a couple of them have microscopes that have they've taken home. I think you have a microscope. Yeah, yeah I've got a little at home microscope dungeon um, set up in the basement that yeah, I can and, find. To so the students who are just learning in some cases, they would keep aside those coronamid trays and then they would transfer them off to uh one of the the postdocs who could then look over them or, or do things like that like they're working through those scenarios but it's just so much more effort for everyone involved it adds time it adds effort it adds logistical nightmares associated with all of it you got to make do um but it really does add a terrible amount of strain
0: my goodness yeah no i'm yeah, I can't imagine the transporting of uh trees is
1: or, practical. Or pour them or, back into something. Yeah, I don't know. Or, I'm not sure what they're doing. Practical or uh, um, fun. And um, some of the some of the students are back in the lab, so we do have students socially or physically distanced in the labs doing required work. But they had to go through a huge. Well, I didn't do any of it. Jenny did all of it for the for her grad students. Uh, coming up with these plans of how they would be they have to log when they're in and out of the building they have key card access all of those things just a huge amount um know. of red tape necessary red tape but red tape man we need some omnibus bills cut that stuff we do need yeah <laughs> that's not how our university works <laughs> um and yeah and then we were talking about this, like Adam mentioned a minute ago, the Zoom defense, which has become really, really common. I've done a few of them. Um, and that's that's fine. Like as a platform, it works. It gets the job done. You can share your screen. You can answer questions. It's not that different. But what happens when you're done? The best part of defending your degree is then having all of your cohort, your colleagues, lab mates, whatever. Friends. Around to friends, <laughs> yeah. To s- <laughs> friends? Those. We had very different experiences, uh, apparently. Yeah. Wait, you were one of my cohort. Uh, to celebrate with, you know, to toast in whatever way, the huge amount of work that you went through, including surviving through a pandemic and finishing this thesis. Uh, that's, that's a, a, if there's a, like, not really, uh, consequential, but, but very sad one in my mind, that's a big one.
0: Oh yeah. And I think, uh, just on a, you know, my personal level of um, both my master's and, uh, PhD defense where you're done and you're told to, uh, leave the room and, uh, you know, they now you shuttled inside. into a breakout room. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And they deliberate yeah, the breakout room of one. <laughs> you just on your own, just looking not, at this blank
0: screen. Yeah, zoom. I feel, feel bad for those. Guys. So on the, on the one hand, it was nerve wracking. But like looking back, you know, those are very memorable moments. So I'm done out of my hands and feel pretty good. Like it's happening. And you reflect for a little bit second. And, and just like um, the difference, you know, people must be having today in that experience where it's just like, yeah, de-zoomed. I don't know, what the, you know, whatever the terminology is. Um, put back into the main room screen, not shared. Um, yeah, exactly. And so
1: it's, yeah. uh, yeah, And, and yeah, the little things like, uh, that, the handshake or the high five or whatever it might be like, yep, you did it on the back doctor or whatever. Um, I don't really remember the order. It was one of those things that goes by really fast, but I remember it feeling pretty good. Yeah.
0: But yeah, no, and there's lots and lots of, um, Delayed celebrations, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and that's the idea, right? Everyone just has to stay safe, and and those kind of things can wait, and that's why they have to, um, for you know the people who <laughs> that um, the consequences are much more significant. And then, uh-huh. and then maybe the last thing we've talked a lot about students, and and I would say that uh, there obviously are impacts on, on the faculty and people who are teaching and the postdocs and all of those different things. In the grand scheme of thing, I think the the impact on the students is much higher, uh, just because it occupies such a large proportion of the time that they're in their degree. Faculty members, yes, it's going to impact the finances of the lab, and their teaching and their research progress and all of those things, and milestones and all. But yeah, and any place you know, if you're up for tenure or you're working your pre tenure, that's a huge, uh, really important time period, and a lot of schools have. Uh, Stop the tenure clock for people for a year in order to accommodate that uh, decrease in output and all those different, you know, the difficulty of of switching to an online teaching environment, those kind of things. Those are significant. I'm not downgrading the uh, consequences of that. But as a proportion, it's going to be a small part of your whole career. It's, It's not half of it. Exactly. Yeah, it's not half of your master's or a quarter of your PhD so far. Um, but it is a huge amount of work. Like if you have a five-year NSERC strategic grant or any grant, um, that has a, a temporal duration, well, they all have time durations, I assume. I don't know if anyone who just has an unlimited amount of funding, um, losing that productivity is, is a huge problem.
0: So I thought you were going to go a different way there. Um, cause when you said, if you have a five-year, my mind filled in five-year-old at home, um, oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that's in the next one. Yeah. And and that is a big part of the, uh, well, uh, people at all sorts of their career education stages have children at home and trying to do anything at home uh, can be really challenging. Uh, people have a hard time. Some people have a real hard time working at home uh, just because they need the change of pace. They need the change of scenery working. They may not have good internet. They may not have a place to work sitting at your Kitchen table works great for trying to you know read a draft of a paper on a, a Sunday evening, but if you have to do it for months and months and months, that's a massive challenge um, for anyone, not just the, the faculty members. But then add on top of that, the cat who walks through the middle of the defense. You know, you get to see a lot of cat buttholes in, uh, in <sighs> Zoom meetings these days, and uh, the kids who are just screaming in the background or cartoons playing or you know, all of those different things. Those become real um, real major, uh, stepping stones to being able to just do your job as you would normally and things you don't think about. And then the job changes. So, you know, trying to, everyone has to become an expert at teaching online and making Moodle sites that are amazingly interactive because they have all these things. Cause you're not going to get to see the students and, you know, I have to, like, I, I would consider myself a fairly tech, uh, forward, Professor, like I, I use a fair bit of that stuff already, but for some people, they do not. You know, they don't post their notes, they don't put anything on some sort of learning management system like Moodle. And it's just a massive change for people to try and not just learn how to teach online or do anything online, but teaching is really taking up a lot of people's time these days because it's very different. But what good online teaching even looks like because it's not the same thing as um, if you're teaching face-to-face. The last thing I'll say about this is that many universities offer courses that are either blended, so both online and on, on campus in face-to-face, or fully online education. There's lots of universities that are whole, wholly based on that topic. But it generally takes two years to turn a course online. You can't do it over March break? Uh, no, you can't do it over March break. And it often has a, like a team of people and a significant amount of money can go into it because there's often a tech component to it. Um, whereas I'm doing, I'll be doing five this year.
0: <laughs> and so like this is a, this is an angle that I have no direct connection with. I don't teach any courses
1: at all. Um, how's it going? Uh, Have you found a groove? Are you still looking for the groove
0: like at this point? I have good days and bad days.
1: I know exactly what I'm going to do. It's about a number of hours and working more or less halftime and then working in the evenings, halftime during the days because one of us is watching the little guy and then working in the evenings. So I know what I want to do. A few days ago, I was in a pretty dark place about it. (laughs) Today, I had a really good day. I got like three or four full weeks of material put online for a course. So I felt pretty good about that, and uh, I'll get it done. Uh, I won't have the whole, like, all the way through till the end of November online for all three of my fall term courses. That's not going to happen. But I hopefully it'll be, you know, into October towards reading week, and uh, that'll be good enough, and I'll do the rest as, as time allows moving forward. But you do have to make sacrifices. Some things just are harder, and just, you know, you can't let perfection, or perfect be the enemy of good.
0: With it all being so front-loaded, will it actually mean, like, It'd be less busy than you would have been
1: the start of September or no? Nah. Mm, I think I'll have a couple of quiet weeks. Um, and then it probably will ramp up to, as labs for two of the courses have computer kind of based labs or geomatics courses. It'll uh, get a little bit busier. My winter will be really quiet because I have a, my first year, I'm teaching the winter half of the first year full year course. And then my fourth year like seminar research or uh, rivers course, which I don't really intend to like make let, lecture videos and stuff. They can do a lot of that stuff on their own to kind of flip the course. So I should have a very quiet winter term because I'm going to need it <laughs> after the fall. Oh, okay, I yeah, know it's interesting.
0: Like the course that I've been most um, involved with in my time at Queens is Limnology, the fourth uh, bio three three five. Um, and it's been moved to the winter, and I, I'm not involved with it this year, but I'm just curious what the impacts. Like, there's no field weekend, and the field
1: weekend is so, uh, or I guess there's no. Yeah, it's ingrained. Just it's, it's so get samples it. for the labs are all based around the the field weekend, and other people have done the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Some courses can't move. Like we can't have our snow and ice course in the fall. Come on. You gotta, gotta give a little. Yeah. All right. So that, that, I wouldn't say that's a Debbie Downer kind of um, conversation. <laughs> sure. This is just, it's game over, man. Game over. But or, it's realistic, right? Because, the, the you know, there aren't generally a lot of really positive things that come out of a global pandemic. Um, but there are some. <laughs> very minor. Tell ones. me, tell <laughs> me, tell me there are some. There are what definitely some. Uh, I'll I'll just the last couple words on that one because we just finished on this topic in the last one. Teaching uh, generally for a lot of faculty especially in certain times of year doesn't take up a a huge amount of their thinking especially when you've taught a course for a number of years Uh, and I think this whole online process has really led to a lot of renewal in how people think about their teaching and it probably is going to bring in some practices that they may not have incorporated before that they realize actually really work well and they've thought a little bit more about pedagogy than uh, they would have if they hadn't been sort of forced to reevaluate what they teach and really like distill down what is the core information they need and what's more supplementary so that's a benefit I've had more discussions about teaching and good teaching with people because I do a lot of teaching so uh, people you know and a lot of tech focused teaching so it's something I've had a fair few discussions about it than Can I've I, ever had.
0: Oh, okay. Can I put you on the spot for a second mm-hmm. and say, um, like what is your biggest takeaway over like this five month focus on remote teaching?
1: A takeaway in terms of like, if I had one thing I would recommend to people or, uh, recommend or like, to people what or, I've learned or, or what, or what or
0: you would go back and tell yourself like last January, has there been any kind of real revelations in this period or no?
1: Hmm. Not particularly. I don't think so. I think a lot of the the online is very different than like teaching online and having just some of your material and putting it online is not the same as teaching online. Um, and, And that's fine, because the students are expected to come to class, you know, you can make it easy for the ones who can't come to class or choose not to. But that's not what you're trying to do. This time, we're trying to teach entirely online. And it's quite different. And, uh, and that's key. You have to adapt. And in, if there was one thing I would take home is that it takes way longer to do anything online. I've taught, taken a bunch of courses, um, through our teaching and learning group, uh, and being a student in even two courses at a time, which what I'm doing right now is a fair amount of saturation of just energy. Of course, I'm trying to prep all of my courses too, but you know, it, it's hard to just keep up with even the the minor things. So, Yeah. Respect the fact that it takes people a long time to, to navigate that world. Okay. Um,
0: and then I guess um, another big silver lining. We've, we've talked about this already. and we getting devoted a full episode to um, writing manuscripts. And I think this, you know, maybe not 2020, but I think 2021 will probably be a, uh, you know, banner year for publications, books, textbooks. And those kind of things in terms Mm -hmm. of volume, um, as people, you know, cannot go into the lab and focus on clearing their
1: backlog in some ways. For sure. That paper I talked about in that episode, if anyone's listening who listened to it, got uh, uh, minor revisions. I sent them back the other day. So I hope for accepted in the not too distant future, which was very fast. Have you been. um, Virtual high five. Virtual high five. Yeah. Have you been uh, asked to do any reviews? Thinking about what we talked about the other day. I have not been asked to do a single review during the pandemic. I have not. Uh, me neither. Um, I, you know, mentally, I
0: guess not. I was prepared to get like a, um, a bump in that as well, but no.
1: Yeah. I think Jenny's had two or three that's not outside of the sort of normal range, so I I haven't noticed a big difference, at least from our sample size of now three. I, I guess
0: um, we we don't have the necessary renown, I guess.
1: Yeah, maybe not, or or maybe those are just kind of getting out there, and and there's a lot of work on the editors too. So the associate yeah, editors yeah, no. will be sending those out. Maybe there'll be a bump kind of going. Yeah, I, of I you know I imagine they do not really view
0: this backlog clearing as a silver lining in many ways.
1: I doubt that as well. Yeah, uh, and then yeah I. Uh, I guess there are some more kind of personal ones that uh, that are silver linings for sure. You get to spend more time at home. As I said, I haven't been. This is the longest time I haven't been on a plane in my adult life, probably. <laughs> Cause Seriously? I, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because because I, I hadn't been away since last field season, so like last year, to go a whole calendar year without getting on an airplane is not something I've done since I was a grad student. See, that's really interesting
0: because that's. Part of that is, well, because I don't have that same perspective, but I didn't get into a plane for very many of my field seasons ever. It was all mm-hmm. uh, drivable. So,
1: absolutely, yeah. yeah well, right. I, I mean, this is the longest I've not been in the field. This is the first summer I've not gone in the field since two thousand seven, as a like when I was starting my masters. So,
0: I've slowed it down since since the kiddos arrived. And I have been able to spend a lot more time with them.
1: Yeah, big time.
0: And uh, you know, it's crazy. Like you know, um, so my y- youngest will be turning three in a couple months. So this lockdown period is like a significant portion of her entire life. Like I mean, your, your, your little guy's uh, a year younger. Like I mean, it's like a quarter of his life at this point.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. is, well, he's uh, completely changed. Like he's gone from just barely talking to talking in sentences and in, in here, you know? Yeah. And sometimes the sentences, he comes in, like turns my chair around and says monkey video. Like he <laughs> wants to watch a monkey video on, uh, on YouTube instead of uh, me getting to do this thing Or he'll come and he told one of, uh, he told, I won't say which one he uh, told, one of Jenny's students who was on a Skype call that he loved him. <laughs> he said, love you. Because the only people he talks to on the computer is uh, his family, right? His grandparents. So, uh, one of the grad students is now family, but, so, but it's been, that's been really good. (laughs) Yeah, no, so it's, uh,
0: no, it's been good. And, you know, working with the kids at home I've found new, I don't know, intellectual pursuits, dabbled in some stop motion Lego stuff. uh, They're pretty good. If,
1: If you're listening and you have not seen Adam's stop motion Lego, uh, video, it's not mine. It's the three of us put it together. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. It's on Adam's YouTube uh, channel. However, um, no, it's not. It's on Twitter. It oh, it's uh, on Twitter. Oh, it's I, I will show.
0: link it. In How the, are we going to search it on a,
1: YouTube then? I, the,
0: I didn't. I didn't say anything about YouTube. Mm.
1: <laughs> you know what? We will retweet it from the show. Perfect. It's relevant show material now. It is now. Yep. When this comes out, we'll retweet it. So, so there have been a few uh, my few silver yeah, linings so. for sure. And, uh, and we've got to talk about a few different interesting things in this contagious ideas. I think the uh, just to go back to that, how the episodes have changed, uh, the discussions we would have had with people at PALS, which we'll still get to, would have been quite different. And this will be the end. And, and for those of you who maybe haven't been as uh, if you are listening along at the actual time and not sort of listening to them all together. That uh, We have made a, a pretty big diversion away from limnology in a few topics, though we've tried to tie them together. Uh, and we'll go back in the next stretch. We'll go back to some paleo-specific things. Uh, but it's been interesting to think about them.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, widen our focus and um, looked into something or thought, talked about some things and thought about some things that I've not really thought of in as much detail uh, in quite a while. It's been interesting. I've enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, but no, I, I'm ready to get back to the bread and butter of what Core Ideas is all about. Yeah, exactly.
1: Talk about things that I don't have to Wikipedia almost everything we're talking about. (laughs) Come on. It makes no difference. It still happens. (laughs) It's true. And Wikipedia is great, guys. (laughs) All right. Uh, anything else? Anything else we want to wrap up here? No, I don't think so. I think, you know,
0: again, um we're talking about silver linings in a time of great tragedy. And, uh, my heart goes out to everyone that's lost someone in this and, uh, um, and is dealing with it. Like we definitely have within my family, uh, some people that are, um, high risk that we're very nervous about protecting. Um, but,
1: uh, yeah. And the people who, who didn't have that option to stay at home and work in their basement and do that sort of thing, because you, you know, you're, Standing at the till at a, a drugstore or any of the, you know, different line. jobs that Medical workers, absolutely like, I mean, had to continue for society to run. Um, uh, yeah, our hardships are not so hard. Not at all. And uh, yeah, there we go. Next time notes. we will we'll dive into a little bit of the history of paleolumnology and get back into that topic. The history of the history of lakes. It's going to be good it's a multi-parter our first okay. multi-part episode nice how many parts we don't know we're not sure we're just starting to work it's on seat that. of our but, pants uh, all the time if you have any <laughs> comments questions queries suggestions you can always Email. catch us on twitter at core ideas paleo p-a-l-e-o or send us emails uh, long form core ideas podcast
0: at gmail.com uh all of our show notes are up on our website uh core ideas, uh, all one word dot Um, but really it's easy to just look up the Twitter feed and click the link from there. Um, and the show notes all eventually make it up there. Uh, I'm usually slow. Um, so it might be, it's a cause they take a lot behind. of work
1: because you put uh, so much effort in them.
0: Um, oh. but, uh, you know, I think we're building a pretty cool resource and, uh, invite people to check it out.
1: Yeah. There's, now this is, uh, will be episode 18. Right. And, yep. uh, I don't think it'll be ready for Christmas 2020, but Christmas 2021, a collection of the memes, is definitely going to have to be a little coffee table book we put together. (laughs) All right. I love them. Put that right beside the t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the (laughs) merch. Just as part of the merch situation.
0: For people that are on a nice list a year and a half from now, you you watch out for that highly sought after volume.
1: That's right. But we'll have to ask you for your addresses, so it won't be that secret. (laughs) Oh, all right. Great. Okay. We will catch you next time. Stay safe out there. And uh, thanks for listening. Yep. Yeah,
0: thank you. And talk to you soon. Bye.